Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, an evolved perspective on life with dogs. Well, it's all Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Great to be here today. It's a fine day to take your dog for a walk. Somewhere new even. Give them both some physical and mental stimulation. It's always great to be here. You know, we've had uh, several hundred episodes now. And, uh, you know, one thing that I love, I love a lot of things about the show. Um, And I do mostly interviews of various different people authors, directors of different organizations, different experts on health, nutrition, um, canine scientists, and then, you know, shows that are kind of more just for fun. It's not always super serious and heavy, but certainly always strive to be educational. And I like, you know, really get to have gotten to talk with some brilliant people over the years, uh, Temple Grandin and Alexandra Horowitz and Mark Beckoff and Brian Hare and Patricia McConnell, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, you know, I also have an expertise that I've done some shows, you know, where I sort of speak to my experience working with people and their dogs in the realm of dog training and behavior. And this is something that, um, I'm now available for um, consult for people who don't live in just the Seattle area. So I've been doing some uh, phone and Skype consultations, uh, something that I've kind of started doing over the last year. And it's been really, really great. It it allows me to help more people. And, um, you know, this industry is not regulated. So, you know... Anybody can just be, just say I'm a dog trainer and start working with dogs and, you know, whether they're necessarily qualified or not. Unfortunately, there's not really a set path for this that really equips people to work with dogs. And um, so I've talked with a lot of people who have been you know, consulted with various, you know, either trainers or veterinary behaviorists, um, you know, different types of people, and they're not getting the guidance that they need to really get at what's going on because what, what's been prescribed to them, either literally or figuratively, is just isn't working. And the thing about working with dogs is that it either, you know, if you're doing something, it's constant self-evaluation, you know, of the human. So you do something and then you have to kind of listen, observe the dog and then see, okay, the behavior that I'm trying to have an impact on is either improving or not, or even in some cases getting worse. And it's hard because every dog is different. Every dog is so different. So especially when we're talking about behavioral challenges, um, you have to look at every dog as a unique individual. There's not just one set sort of, okay, your dog does this, that you know, just, just do this and they'll be fine because they're all different. They have different level of sensitivities, different 
ways that they're motivated, different genetics, different histories, all that kind of stuff, just just as people are different too. Um, so I had a, a client, a local client last night um, that I wanted to share with you um, because we really covered a lot of bases as far as kind of getting out of behavioral challenge. And it's really hard to uh, in some ways, it's really hard to to address these types of things when I'm not in the presence of the dog. And then at the on the other side of the coin, there's so much just basic information that I can give people to get them going, at least in the right direction. Um, I've worked with thousands of dogs over the last 15 years, so I can actually get a pretty good picture of the dog's behavior just by talking with the owner. And then, you know, of course, there's the ability to send uh, video of the dog, um, to do Skype consultations. Um, so there's ways to kind of get around this, the preference of being in person and meeting the dog in person, especially since I've worked with so many. So I've kind of seen, seen it all, so to speak, although that's not true. I do continue to learn for sure. Um, but there's something to be said for having worked with really literally thousands of dogs over the years in people's homes. So I want to let you know that if you are, you know, have some behavioral challenges or just need some clarification about, you know, what's the best way for me to respond to this behavior or why does my dog do this, um, I'm available to talk with you and over the phone or via Skype. Uh, you know, with a consultation. So you can email me uh, at my training address, which is julie at sensitivedog.com. That's julie, J-U-L-I-E, at sensitivedog.com. And we can get something set up and do a consultation. And uh, the feedback that I've gotten is that it has been really, really helpful for people who I have consulted with in all different parts of the country. I've talked with people in New York. I've talked with people in California. Um, so don't hesitate. And especially if you have already been to one or more professionals and have not found success, please don't give up because I have talked with a lot of people and to, more than I would like to because it's frustrating for me that people go and try to get help and then they just don't get guidance that really is appropriate for their dog. Um, so especially if you've already tried to solicit help and you haven't, you haven't been able to find anyone locally that, that's been able to give you any, um, any guidance that's actually made a difference for your dog, reach out, please. I would love to help you. Julie at sensitivedog.com. You can also reach me at my radio show um, email as well or fill out the contact form on the radio show um, page, which is dogradioshow.com. Um, so I wanted to talk about this dog who I met last night in person. He's an eight-year-old uh, lab, yellow lab, male. And um, his uh, one of his owners got in contact with me because he's been snapping and has even um, bit somebody when they pet him. And it's, um, you know, kind of an odd behavior. Um, and then it's not 
probably the majority of the time. I don't work with older dogs, although I have certainly worked with plenty of older dogs over the years. But mostly I people call me when the dog is younger, you know, adolescent, puppy, adolescent, two, three years old. Um, so I'm always especially curious when somebody has, you know, an eight-year-old dog or a 10-year-old dog. I've even worked with an 18-year-old dog once. Um, you know, they're certainly, they're certainly – and never too old for you to try to address some challenging behaviors. And in this case, especially, there's there were a lot of medical bases to cover, which is, you know, of course, so important that if there is a behavior that's happening that's that's rooted in a medical issue, then, you know, it means probably at the very least that your dog doesn't feel very good. And so it's good to to know exactly what to look for, um, exactly what blood tests to do, uh, different things to try. And so I'm going to be able to get to um, a lot of that information today on the show. And hopefully it helps you if you're listening and you have a, a challenging behavior with a dog and you might get some ideas uh, that you can take and, and kind of pursue maybe with local uh, trainers or vets. Um, and then again, also please reach out to me if I can um, help you. My email again is julie at sensitivedog.com and we can simply set up a phone consultation or a Skype consultation and chat and you get a private lesson. So the first thing when I was just talking to the guy on the phone, the first thing that came to me was that it's medical for this dog. Um, after I met the dog and, and got some more information from them and really talked to them about what exactly the dog does and what they've seen and when it started and the different, in, you know, situations that it's happened and da-da-da-da-da, that I think that there's also possibly a behavioral component. They've never really done any training with the dog. I think the dog has a lot of pent-up mental energy, which is never good. I've talked about that over and over and over and over again <laughs> over the the years of doing this show and with my clients on a daily basis. You know, dogs and people have been living together for 40,000 years, and the nature of the relationship has been working together. And these days in modern society, uh, most dogs are sort of unemployed and desperately unemployed and really uh, need a job to do. They need an outlet for that mental energy. Um and that can contribute to anxiety. This The dog I met last night was very anxious um, and just had this energy, very, you know, energy that just couldn't calm down. And he was, you know, his owner confirmed that it wasn't just that he was anxious about being in a new place, but that he's really kind of generally an anxious dog. And, and that can be medically based. So, um, and the cool thing is that a lot of the, the, um, Things that I've referred that I referred to in that lesson, I've actually done shows about. So one of the first things that I recommended that they do as far as a medical base for them to cover is to have the dog's thyroid tested because he had some other symptoms that really line up with symptoms of um, hypothyroid um, or I think it causes like a autoimmune thyroiditis, so it, it kind of ha has an autoimmune component. And Dr. Gene Dodds is uh, sort of the the authority in, in um, canine thyroid issues in this country. 
And she has a uh, website called Hemopet, hemopet.org, H-E-M-O-Pet.org is that website. And I interviewed her, I've had her on the show a few times, actually. She's really, really, really brilliant. And uh, one of the shows that I um, did was about the thyroid, um, the thyroid issue. And she wrote a book called The Canine Thyroid Epidemic. And if you want to go back and uh, look up that episode and listen to that interview to learn more about this deal with thyroid, it's episode number 183. And it was from August 29th of 2012. So the easiest way would be to go to iTunes or whatever your app might be that holds the podcasts um, and you can just download it for free. So it's episode number 183 was Dr. Jean Dodds talking about uh, a canine thyroid epidemic for more information about that. So the other symptoms that the dog had, which really kind of had me feel that this was something that was going to be higher up on the priority list, was um, really, really, really sensitive digestive tract and chronic ear infections, as well as this really uh, frenetic energy, generalized frenetic energy. So um, that was one of the things on their checklist. Because if there's, you know, the thing is, is that if there's something medical going on with your dog that, you know, they can't control that. So if you try to take a training approach to a medical behavioral problem, you're just going to be spinning your wheels because the dog can't help it. Um, so checking that out and there's lots more there to learn. And you can go back to that episode number 183, my interview with Dr. Jean Dodds, the author of the canine thyroid epidemic and the founder of hemopet.org. It's a laboratory in California that does a special, uh, thyroid test that really thoroughly checks out how the thyroid functions in the body because most vets, uh, will only test T4 levels if they're like, oh yeah, we'll check your dog's thyroid. And then they test T4 levels. And that is not enough. There's actually several different um, components that they need to check to really see uh, how the thyroid's functioning in the body. So you can learn more about that with my interview with Dr. Jean Dodds or get her book. So we talked about thyroid. Okay, definitely want you to rule that out. And then we talked about pain. So this is an older dog. Um, And sometimes dogs will snap or bite because they've been touched in a way that's painful. A really common example would be, especially if you have an older dog and, um, you know, children, young children where they're, you know, they're uh, sometimes they're kind of rough with dogs. Uh, Ideally, they wouldn't ever have the occasion to have the opportunity to be rough with a dog because they should always be supervised with dogs and should be taught how to uh, interact appropriately with dogs. Um, And a lot of times, uh, you know, incidents still happen or, you know, dogs just kind of lay in there and a child who's maybe just learning to walk is kind of walking by and then they stumble and kind of fall on the dog's dog's body. If the dog is having any sort of back pain, hip dysplasia, uh, elbow dysplasia, you know, neck, neck pain, any of this kind of thing, any sort of tumor that's going on, um, then, uh, you know, they're like, oh, you know, so they, they kind of, 
they kind of don't have control over that response where they will snap or bite because what has just happened was really painful and it's just kind of a survival response. So that's something to look at. So one of the things about this dog that's kind of curious is that he's only aggressive when he's being petted. He specifically doesn't like to be, um, if somebody's standing up and they go to pet him over the top of his head, um, he really doesn't like that. I mean, and then that makes me think about his chronic ear infections. That's got to hurt. And if they're chronic, you don't know what sort of uh, long-term damage it's doing. Um, but they just said that he's always at the vet and he's, you know, always getting these ear infections. And I know I've had ear infections and they hurt a lot. And I wouldn't, I'd be head shy too. Um, so, you know, one of the things they asked sort of um, a couple times was, you know, how do we, is there a way to, you know, correct the dog after they after he snaps and just behaviorally the answer is no anyway but especially since i think this is his behavior is pain related absolutely not we need to look at this from another angle so um you know is your dog does your dog have back pain does your dog have uh you know hip dysplasia that's kind of gone undiagnosed um, knee issues, whatever. So those are things that you can get checked out by your vet. Um, or, you know, I recommend that if you're really wanting to look at your dog structurally for things like hip dysplasia, um, going to an orthopedic specialist is a good idea um, because they're, they're a specialist and they just, that's, what, that's their focus. You're probably going to get better quality x-rays and then you're just going to have a specialist eye on something like that as opposed to a regular vet. So um, so check, you know, pain-related stuff. Um, this is a dog who has, if he's not, you know, if, if it's not a thyroid issue, he's got something going on. I'd, I'd put money on it that this dog's got something medical going on. So then there's, uh, you know, other autoimmune issues. Um, and then it's his, you know, digestive sensitivity. So could this be... Could his chronic ear infections and chronic digestive upset be a function of that he's not he has a, a sensitive digestive system as an individual, and he's been all of the things that they have tried have been different versions kind of of the same thing, different kibble uh and and you know kibble that's got grain in it or kibble that's got chicken in it or beef or you know there's these common ingredients in uh in dry dog food and and wet dog food too um you know mass produced dog food that's really not good for dogs eric how many shows have i done over the years about food <laughs> well this is uh episode 401 so <laughs> Lots. a good portion of those yeah, maybe I'll... 200 at least <laughs> yeah maybe not half but yeah uh just all different angles on it. I mean, yeah. you know, Dr. Michael Fox, Not Fit for a Dog, The Truth About Manufactured Dog and Cat Food, Susan Thixton, the author of Buyer Beware and the founder of truthaboutpetfood.com, Natural Pet Pantry, uh, Dr. Kelleher, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Food is so important, and the pet food industry is really kind of a, a tricky one. 
Um, and there's very few foods out there that are actually good for dogs. I just recently talked with Canine Natural, a brand that makes raw and freeze-dried foods for dogs and cats. And it's a really great, uh, great food. And you can get it at most independent pet stores across the country. Getting dogs off of processed food, you know, and also figuring out what, if your dog has sensitivities. Uh, if your dog's allergic to chicken, you could be making your dog's food with organic chicken from a local farm. And if your dog's allergic to chicken, uh, he's still going to have a reaction. So, uh, and allergies are really, really, really common. I think it's one of the most common reasons dogs go to the vet is because of allergies. And it's the, you know, all this, this over-vaccination, the genetic uh, decline of dogs because of breeding, irresponsible breeding, and then the pet food industry. So his chronic ear infections and digestive upset could be purely, you know, food-related and the fact that he has a sensitive digestive tract. So we talked about, you know, I referred them, they're local, so I referred them to go actually see Dr. Donna Kelleher, who I've had on the show a number of times over the years and who is a very, very, very brilliant uh, vet. If you're interested in, um, and she does like teleclasses and she has this website that's just loaded with information and resources. So she's somebody that you can tap into even if you don't live in Western Washington and you can't see her in person with your dog. Um, You can definitely check her out. Wholepetvet.com is her website. W-H-O-L-E petvet.com. And a couple of her shows that I've done, uh, one was number 298 from November of 2014. And that was a show that we did uh, talking about a specific case of a dog that she's, whose life she saved um, with uh, autoimmune disease. Um, really interesting to kind of get a sense for her work and her approach. And then we did an episode number 263, uh, same year, uh, 2014, but this one was in March. And that was a show that we did specifically about allergies. And it's a tough one to treat, um, but she's... She's super, super effective. If I had anything autoimmune or otherwise going on with one of my dogs, she would be the one that I would absolutely see or get in contact with. Um, And that's Dr. Donna Kelleher, wholepetvet.com. The dog was so so sensitive um, that I just hand, hand over the food conversation to her for this case rather than working with them on it, which I have certainly done in the past too. Okay, try this. You know, we've got the St. John Creamery raw goat's milk that can be really, really helpful for repairing digestive tracts, uh, you know, cooked food or raw food diets, all that kind of stuff. But um, it sounds like when they tweak his food just slightly, he just gets explosive diarrhea. So I think that's something best addressed with a holistic vet. Uh, so she can test him for sensitivities and kind of figure out are there proteins we need to stay away from and all that kind of stuff, rather than put the dog through trial and error and them as well with, uh, you know, all of the cleanup and stuff. So so it's, it's uh, again, I really enjoy having all of these episodes over the years to, to refer people to um, to get more information. This is what I'm talking about. You want to learn more about thyroid? Listen to episode number 183, Dr. Jean Dodds. Uh, you know, Donna Kelleher several times. You can go to the website dogradioshow.com. There's a search bar on the homepage. And if you just type in a keyword like thyroid, it'll pull up the um, 
you know, where that where those episodes are. Um, if you type in like Kelleher for Donna Kelleher, uh, you know, uh, it'll pull up several episodes with her on various topics and um, and more. Uh, the other thing that I recommended that they try um, to help just give him some comfort and to see if it helped him. And it's not something that they needed to wait to start because it's so safe and doesn't interact with anything else was Canna Companion. And that was episode number 375 from May of 2016. Um, talked with the founders of Canna Companion and it's a hemp product, hemp based product that uh, engages the endocannabinoid system in the body. Um, it's it's not getting, giving the dog marijuana and making them high. It's we're not, That's not what we're talking about. It's a hemp product. It's legal in all 50 states. You can order it online, um, and it doesn't produce any sort of high for the dog. We certainly don't want to do that. Um, they also have a cat product, too. We have this, is, this product has been a miracle for our old dog haven dog, Lois, who um, – was having some pain-related behavioral issues, actually, we think. Um, and uh, it's made a huge difference for her in, in her comfort level. So I can't recommend this product highly enough. And it's this one specifically because we used, uh, we tried some other uh, CBD treats um, and different products without results. And uh, Canna Companion is the closest thing to a miracle pill that I've encountered with a dog. So um, definitely check that out. And I think especially if you have an older dog, if you have a dog that has cancer or joint pain or anything, it really works throughout the body. So you can listen to that episode. It was very informative, uh, really interesting to learn about how that works. That's episode number 375. And their website is cannacompanionusa.com, C-A-N-N-A, companionusa.com. So we had a lot of uh, health-related bases to cover for this dog who was having a behavioral challenge. You know, I mean, we're talking about aggression, and this was a couple who's, you know, planning on having kids, I think, in the near future, and they're concerned about this and, you know, also just concerned that this dog is snapping um, and even biting um, when just being petted. So it's, it's you know... Uh, when he called me, he said, you know, my dog needs training. And, uh, you know, one of the main points I want you to be thinking about is that it's not always a training issue. Uh, be, there's a difference between training and behavior. And a lot of times, a lot, a lot, a lot of times, we use training to help us, uh, give us tools to work through behavioral challenges. Um, but this is more medical. You know, I'd hate for somebody to have a dog like this who's, uh, you know, showing some signs of aggression because he's in pain or has some sort of medical issue going on and for them to, um, one, not get results, the results that they need and not get the dog the help that they need, but certainly not to try to correct the dog after the fact because it would just be unfair. Um, so let's take a break and uh, listen to some of our um our show sponsors, who I absolutely adore and um, don't take who we promote lightly on the show, as you probably know if you've listened to the show before. Uh, Farm Dog Naturals, amazing, amazing products. We love them so much. They're so effective. And uh, St. John Creamery, um, their raw goat's milk is so great, too. We have that flowing in our house. So take a listen. We'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Julie Forbes. 
Looking for an easy way to give your dog's food a boost in nutrition? Or maybe your dog has a sensitive digestive tract, itchy skin, or is just a picky eater. We've had such great success feeding St. John Creamery raw goat's milk to our pack, and I recommend it to my clients all the time. You can get raw goat's milk for your dog all over the country, but if you live in western Washington, be sure it's St. John Creamery you reach for in the freezer section of your local independent pet supply store. You can also pick up your milk at drop locations around the area. Visit stjohncreamery.com to learn more. That's stjohncreamery.com. Your dogs will love you for it. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to the Ananda Institute of Living Yoga, we cover the world of animals. This week, November 6th, it's Shelter Rescue Sanctuary and anything that helps our Animal Friends Sunday. We'll check in with local shelters and rescues to find out how they're doing and what kind of help they need. Plus, Friends of Woodland Park Zoo Elephants, Aline Fortgain, will join us with all the latest details about our beloved bamboo. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. This is Julie Forbes. I'm excited to tell you about Farm Dog Naturals, a company that handcrafts herbal remedies for the all-natural dog. Quality and integrity are must-haves for anything that I recommend. Certified eco-friendly and cruelty-free, their products address issues like stress and anxiety, itching, hot spots, crusty noses, as well as pet urine, stains, and odor. Farm Dog Naturals is guaranteed, and I'm so happy with the results I'm seeing. Shipping is available worldwide from their website, farmdognaturals.com, or you can ask for them at a retailer near you. Again, that's farmdognaturals.com. Eric, people ask me to help them with all sorts of doggy challenges. I can only imagine. Oh yeah, dogs jumping on guests, new puppy questions, behavioral challenges like fear and aggression, even dog food sensitivities. You name it, and I've probably worked with it. But can you help people even if they don't live in Seattle? Absolutely. I've had great success with phone consultations and have even Skyped with people and their dogs from all over the country. Every dog should be approached as a unique individual. I've talked about this over and over again on the show. That's one of the parts of working with dog training and behavior that I love the most. Every client is different. If you're listening and you need help with your dog, just get in touch. I'd love to get you pointed in the right direction and answer all of your questions. Email me, host at dogradioshow.com. That's me, Julie Forbes, host at dogradioshow.com. I look forward to connecting. Wait, dogs can use Skype? We're really living in the future. <laughs> get inspired every hour right here on Alternative Talk 1150. And now back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Yes, welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, uh, talking about uh, behavioral um, issues on the show. And if you're one of those naughty podcasters who fast-forwards through our commercials, let me tell you, uh, Farm Dog Naturals and St. John Creamery are... Uh, products to pay attention to. Trust me, you're going to love me for the recommendation. Uh, St. John Creamery is available. They're raw goat's milk in western Washington. So if you are a listener somewhere else in the country, 
you can look for a different brand of raw goat's milk, which I do still recommend. Um, and farmdognaturals.com, uh, their products are available worldwide, and we are crazy about their products. Their skin salves, we're putting it on anything that needs healing. I have this cut on my thumb, Eric. See that little nick of skin gone from my thumb? Uh-huh. Farm Dog Naturals, Restore Salve, right on that baby on a Band-Aid, and it's healing up really fast. So it works on people as well as dogs. One of our goats had an abscess, uh, Farm Dog Naturals, and it healed it so much faster than what we had been using. And then, of course, the dogs, any sort of scrape or skin anything or, you know, the if you have a bulldog or that type of breed that has like a dry nose, their Salvation Salve is, is excellent. I'm, we're like freaking out about how good this stuff is. It's awesome. I'm going to have to check it out. Yes, please do. You know, it's not easy to find oh, in, a, in a world that's saturated with products, mm-hmm. industry that's a well, world in general, but an industry that's really saturated with products, and especially a very a widely unregulated industry, I really value quality and products that actually do an amazing job. And I'm excited to promote them. So. Check them out. Um, so I'm talking about a client that I met specifically that I met last night, um, but I want you all to know that I'm available to help you uh, wherever you may live. Um, you don't have to just be in the Seattle area uh, to access me for guidance about your dog's training or behavior-related issue. Um I've been doing uh, phone consultations. I've been doing Skype consultations uh, with people all over the country, and it's been really helpful. I've been able to give them guidance that they can move forward from and it, so that they're, they have a base of information, and then it, it can help them either find somebody local who's going to be a good fit for what their dog needs, um, or in some cases they're actually able to just work with me over the phone and, and resolve the dog's um, you know, specific challenge um, and without needing to find somebody local. This is an unregulated industry, and unfortunately, um, a lot of people have the experience. They've told me that they've met with, you know, this few different trainers or they've gone to a veterinary behaviorist and, you know, spent $400 for an hour session, and uh, they just put the dog on Xanax, which was the case with my dog, uh, with my client last night. And that actually was an individual that it made it worse, <laughs> which can happen with some dogs in Xanax. So, you know, if you have a behavioral issue, aggression issue, giving the dog a pharmaceutical is not the not going to fix it on its own. Uh, I am not opposed to, to using pharmaceuticals in some cases, but, oh, there is so much more that we need to look at than that. So uh, please save your money and um, and don't go that route. Um so you can contact me uh, by email, julie at sensitivedog.com. Uh, you can go to uh, the Dog Radio Show website, contact me through the podcast or through the contacts page. Um, and you can also call me, 206-372-7399, and we can get a consultation set up that way as well. So please do get in touch if you need some guidance with your dog uh, related to training or behavior. So this dog was an eight-year-old male uh, snapping at people and had even bit someone once when he's being petted. He'll be like sitting next to you on the couch 
and you're just petting him, stroking his body, and then all of a sudden he snaps at you, at your hand. Or a common thing is that if you're standing over him and uh, you go to reach down and pet him on the head, no, he doesn't like that. That was probably the most predictable situation that they told me uh, that he would snap. This dog has chronic ear infections, chronic digestive upset, is generally very anxious, has sort of a frenetic energy. And I talked in the first half of this show about some different health-related things for them to check out with a few different vets. I referred them to Donna Kelleher and also referred them to Dr. Anderson at Jet City Animal Clinic for their regular vet. Um, We need to kind of tag team sometimes regular vet and holistic vet. And so you want your regular vet to be open-minded enough to work with a holistic vet. Because getting other people's perspectives is often very valuable, especially with complicated uh, situations like this. So we covered a lot of health-related. If you missed any part of this episode or any of our over 400 episodes, you can find them all as a free podcast on iTunes, also archived on our website, dogradioshow.com. And we also post them on our Facebook page. So if you're on Facebook and you're not a fan of The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, become one. And then you'll have access to our uh, episodes archived on SoundCloud as well. This is episode number 401 for your reference. So we spent a lot of time on medical stuff. The guy took a lot of notes. Okay, we'll do this. We'll do that. We're going to check this out. We're going to make an appointment with Dr. Kelleher. We're going to make an appointment with Dr. Anderson. And then we switched to the sort of training behavior part of the conversation. So the reason why I needed to cover the medical basis first is because if there is something medical going on, you're always going to be kind of hitting up against that with any sort of training or behavior efforts. (laughs) Um, Because if it's medical, the dog can't help it. So he had that information. Um, They were clear about that. Okay, so now let's talk about Is this, you know, training or behavior related, which if it is, it's part of the equation, but I was pretty convinced that there's something medical going on. So constructive outlet for mental energy and um, having some just general structure in place for the dog. Um, There it's a tough one when you have a dog that's snapping at you. It's not just as simple as like, well, what do I do to. In response to that, we don't really look at this, uh, certainly not at this stage in the game, as like, okay, well, let's talk about what to do when your dog snaps, um, you know, snaps or growls or, or, you know, bites or whatever. The answer to that is not what do we do in response to that. We need to talk about how do we, how do we prevent this from happening, set the dog up for success, and if there are... Um, Areas where the relationship dynamic could be cleaned up, it's done more in the bigger picture scheme of of life with the dog, not directly like, you need to, you know, let me pet you and, you know, kind of like uh, strong arm the dog or whatever. Um, So we have to kind of come at this in a more um, balanced and intelligent way. So are, are there ways that they could... Work with the dog to um, establish some control in various situations. And that's where training can really come in and help us. 
with some of these behavioral challenges and certainly in the relationship dynamic. It does, you know, does the dog not respect you? Um, is there a lack of respect in that relationship? That's not good. It's not good for a child to not respect their parents. And it is also not good for a dog to not respect their human. Now, respect is a two-way street for sure. Um, so it's not about being a bully or militant and, you know, forcing this respect and having an unpleasant relationship with the dog at all. But it is about having healthy boundaries and having control when you want it. And that is where training is really great because we can teach a dog um, different skills, you know, different um, exercises, you know, uh, teach the dog to go to a rug or bed and to wait on the bed. This is a tool that we use a lot with dogs who have challenges when people come to the door. And it's like, oh, the dog is just all over the guests and it's unpleasant and it's, you know, or, you know, jumping on the guests or barking their head off at the guests or whatever. And it's like, well, don't let the dog be right at the door. You know, manage the space, put some structure in space. So you're getting the dog away from the door. If you have a bed, you know, 10 or 15 feet away, teach the dog to go to the bed, wait there. And then you can answer the door. You've got the dog managed in space. So that's good. Physically, they're not right on top of the guests. But then in doing so, you are establishing this dynamic of I'm giving you direction. I'm the one sort of in control of this interaction. That is leadership. So if you want to know, you know, one of the best ways to um, establish uh, establish yourself with your dog, just just work with your dog so that you teach them to listen to you even when they're excited. Um, and every dog is different. So how you motivate them to do that is sort of more of, you know, kind of go down that rabbit hole. But so there are definitely things now. You're, what you're also doing is you're engaging the dog's brain. So I was working with another client yesterday, actually. Um, these are two little dogs that are in our day training program and uh, with the excessive barking. And she said, oh, we were actually working on go to your rug. And she said, oh, well, you want me to set them up. Let me go pull my car out of the driveway and then pull back in and watch them just explode in, you know, barking, a fit of barking. Um, that's like the, the worst trigger that happens, you know, and it's driving, uh, driving her husband crazy and the neighbors crazy and all this kind of stuff. So I was like, okay. Well, we had already worked with the dogs on go to your rug um, in that session, and we had been working on it around the door, opening and closing the door, knocking on the door, and teaching the girls how to wait on the rug while those things are happening. Those are things that normally they would, when they would hear those things happen, it would be like kind of their cue to bark and charge the door. And it's like, nope, you can't do that. You need to do this instead. Putting structure in place, establishing control, engaging the dog's brain. Oh, engaging the dog's brain, engaging the dog's brain, engaging the dog's brain. I cannot emphasize how important that is in their life. I mentioned the unemployment issue earlier in the show today, and I've talked about it many, many times uh, over the last several years on the show. Um, so she goes out, pulls the pulls the car out of the driveway, pulls it back in. The dog's kind of ears perk up, but I was waiting. I was working with them while she was doing this on waiting on the rug and continuing to do that, which was a skill that they had learned already. 
and they didn't even bark once. So sometimes putting structure in place in a situation where the dog gets kind of set off, in some cases, um, just kind of stops the behavior. So we weren't working directly on barking, but we were working on putting structure in a context where the dogs typically bark. And just by putting structure in place, engaging the dog's brain, establishing control, the barking behavior actually um, wasn't even there. That's the best case scenario. It's not always that easy, but sometimes it is. Sometimes just dogs need a little bit of structure, especially if, you know, you get a dog that's just never really been trained that much. Um, So there's lots of ways that you can use obedience training um, to help you in situations. And it's, you know, you want to work with a dog in a way that's really engages the dog's brain and is asking them to really work for you. So it's not, I'm not an all positive trainer. Like it's not just all treats and, and all that kind of stuff. I, I start off making sure that, at, you know, every place possible that we use positive reinforcement to make sure the dog understands what the request is, um, has a positive association whenever it's possible. It's not always possible, but whenever it is possible, absolutely. But then there just sometimes has to be a correction for making the wrong choice as well. And that's something that I've heard over and over and over and over again from people who go to an all-positive trainer, and the answer to the undesirable behaviors is to just ignore it. And it just doesn't work for a lot of dogs. I've met hundreds of them over the years. So So with this dog, we, you know, we talked a bit about training, how she could uh, – This um, I was talking with the, the wife, and she was, like, you know, kind of interested in, like, well, how can I – how can I, you know, kind of put some more structure in place and, and like, you know, kind of coming from like a discipline situation? So we talked about using training as a way to do that and to get control and all that kind of stuff. One of the things that she was doing, too, and I just kind of wanted to mention this, was um, she was doing this, you know, on her own. The only place in their life where she was trying to uh, establish some control with the dog was around feeding time. And uh, she said, sometimes he'll just break and like go for the food. And, you know, what do I, how do I get him to, to not do that? If I tell him to stay, you know, how do I get him to not just break and go for the food bowl? In a lot of situations, I would give somebody coaching around that. But in this situation, I coached her actually to kind of chill out on the feeding thing because this is a dog who has chronic digestive upset, is on a prescription diet that has very, very little nutrition, low-quality ingredients, lots of filler, lots of chemical preservatives. This dog still has chronic ear infections. He's not getting the nutrients that he needs, and he probably feels really bad. He probably feels on a cellular level very hungry because his body is actually actually not able to absorb nutrition uh, or is compromised in its ability because of chronic inflammation in the digestive tract and because of the low quality food. And I'm thinking if I was like chronically malnourished and somebody was like putting a plate of food down on the table and being like, stay there. And then they're like walking all over the house to make a point that they could get me to hold it, sometimes I would probably just be like, ah, I can't take it anymore and just dive into the food, you know? 
So I was like, let's talk about other ways that you can, you know, I do want you to be able to follow through with him and to teach him that he needs to listen, but let's not, you know, don't, don't make him wait too long for his meal. It's kind of like, I think he's getting really frustrated and I think he also doesn't feel good. So let's, let's kind of take that and apply it in other places. So we talked about obedience training, but then there's other things to do. Now, this was a dog who really went to like puppy kindergarten when he was a baby. And that was kind of all they did as far as training goes and otherwise really have not engaged his brain very much. So there's other ways outside of obedience training that we can um, engage a dog's brain and get some of that pent up energy out. And, oh, I say this all the time. I can't emphasize it enough. Give your dog a constructive outlet for their mental energy, um, please. And so obedience training is one great way to do that. And then there's other great ways to do that, like uh, nose work. Love nose work. Um, so I've done some interviews uh, I did an interview with Miriam Rose. Actually, I've had her on the show a couple times. And uh, let's see, I'm just looking it up right now so that I can give you the episode number. Um, and it's a way, it's, an, it's actually like a sport. Um, so September 27th of 2015 is um, one of the episodes on canine nose work. And that is episode number, I'll have to get that to you later. Uh, go to the homepage and just type in nose work and a bunch of um, episodes will come up for you and you'll be able to find it that way. I talked with Miriam Rose, who is the uh, one of the uh, reasons why we have nose work in the state of Washington. And uh, she's a professional scent detection trainer and handler and Nose work is scent detection training for fun, for pet dogs. Um, and if you want to do it competitively, there you actually can trial in it. But um, a lot of people really aren't interested in doing it sort of at that level, but they love taking the classes and they love practicing with their dog at home. So I said, okay, well, we, we had talked about the medical stuff. We had talked about kind of obedience training and, and just kind of touched on that in this, you know, initial session. And then I also said, okay, now I want to show you how to do nose work with him. So then this was, this was a dog. We ended up meeting for two hours. And the whole time, the dog was whining and anxious and never at any point just like calmed down. So a lot of times dogs are a little like, oh, where am I? Why am I here? You know, nervous at first. And then they, as we kind of settle into the conversation, they kind of chill out maybe work with them a little bit, and then they're like, okay, I feel more comfortable, and they might calm down. This poor dog was just anxious the whole time. Um, so we did some nose work, and I showed them, I got the boxes out, got the tin of, uh, you know, the emptied out mint tin with holes punched in the top with filled with uh, canine natural lamb green tripe, the freeze-dried tripe treats are what I like to use for nose work because they stink. Dogs love them. Most people find the smell to be very foul, <laughs> but it's really, really healthy for them and really smelly. So it's good. So we fill that up, put the boxes on the ground, 
one of the boxes has the tin in it that has the um, the tripe treats in it, and it's always the same box. So, so I have three boxes, and one of the boxes is the one that always has the tin in it every time. So put three boxes on the ground, and he just was like, bam, that one. You know, n- needed no introduction for searching with his nose. Sometimes you do this and you put the boxes down and the dog's just like, what? You know, what are we doing? And they it takes them a little bit to kind of get warmed up and figure out the, the, the game and kind of get them energized about it and getting getting them to understand what the point is. Oh, man, this dog was like on it, on it. He had a hard time when I was running him through some training exercises, but he was a nose work, really, really exceptionally good at it. Put the boxes down, easy. Spread them out a little bit more, easy. Took the box that had the tin in it, put kind of tucked it just a little bit um, behind one of the chairs. <laughs> Easy. I was like, man, this dog is really good at nose work. What does that tell us? He has a, a strong instinct to do this work, and he hasn't had an outlet for it his whole life. No wonder why he's got some pent-up energy and is feeling, you know, anxious and so I really think that this is contributing to his otherwise uh, sort of uh, out-of-balance state. Again, I think there's medical stuff going on with him. They are fully, they've got lots of homework to do to get kind of get that part squared away and visit some different health-related professionals to uh, cover those bases. And then we talked about, you know, the structure and the relationship dynamic. But, man, this poor dog... He was a nose work champion. I have not seen too many dogs catch on really that fast to it. And so that just lets me know, oh, he's got a really big need for this kind of outlet. He's he's what we call sort of high drive, um, has a strong instinct to do this work and and loved it. And that was the only time really during this entire um, session, this consultation that I had with them, where he wasn't consumed by just being anxious and whining. He was still kind of had frenetic energy, but now he was really focused on the game and he loved it. So it was really great to be able to send them home with that exercise to do. Um, That's another thing I love about nose work is that you don't really need, you don't need much. It doesn't cost really much at all to get started with it. You need a few empty boxes and empty like Altoids type tin wash it out, punch a bunch of holes in the top, fill it with some stinky treats, put three boxes on the ground. One of the boxes always has the tin in it. The dog goes over the box, puts his nose in the box, sniffs the tin, and as soon as they sniff the tin, specifically, not just sniffing around the box, but actually goes in and gives that tin a sniff, boom, you're over there. Good search, good search. Treat, 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 treat. So a high-value reward. So I also use that canine natural tripe as the reward for nose work. That's how you start teaching a dog nose work. And then there's a whole progression from there that's really fun. If you're interested, you can um, take a nose work class. Look for that in your area. So it's, you know, it's complicated. There's a lot to look at, especially when we're talking about behavioral challenges like anxiety and aggression. It's not as simple as just giving Xanax or something, Prozac or something like that. Sometimes those can be helpful, but there is a lot of other work to do around it. And if you are having any sort of challenge with your dog, 
and you need help and you can't find help that's working for you in your area, get in touch with me and I will help you. We can talk over the phone. We can do a Skype consultation. Get in touch. You can email me, julie at sensitivedog.com. You can fill out a contact page on the radio show website, dogradioshow.com. Or you can call me, 206-372-7399. I would love to hear from you. And thanks for being with us for yet another episode of The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You've been listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Never miss another episode. Listen to our podcast online at dogradioshow.com or download them for free on iTunes or SoundCloud.